Welcome to the Life of Christ series 3, term 4. This is lesson 31. Uh, We are going to continue where we left off on page 42 in our revised version of book 2. This is now chapter 12. It used to be chapter 6. It is now chapter 12. Remember again that we continued on uh, from chapter 7 through 12 in book 2 instead of having 1 through 6 again. Um, So we're in chapter 12 and I believe we'll be finishing chapter 12 today and going on to your third book, uh, chapter 13 in the next book. So let's get on with this. Again, we're in page 42. Remember again, this is the incident. In fact, let me just go back a page. Uh, this is the uh, section subtitled, The City at Peter's Door. We started in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. So I'm just going to read from there until we get to where we got to last week. It says there, Now as soon as they, that Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon Uh, and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. So notice Simon has a wife. And it says, but Simon's, Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. And that's similar to what Matthew 8.14 says. These are all the parallel verses. And I'll let you know what was different. With Luke actually adding that it was a high fever. And that was in Luke 4.38. And why they told him about her at once, because it was, it was dangerous. Alright, moving on to verse 31. So he came, stood over her, and touched her. Remember again, this is a composite of all the gospel accounts. So he came and stood over her and touched her. I'm over the page in page 42. And rebuked the fever, and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And it also says, immediately she arose and served them. Now, we looked at the way the different evangelists presented this, so that we could see different sides of Jesus. Amen. And we looked at that last week. I'm not going to go over that again. It's all there in your notes. We also looked at the comment that Robert H. Mounts makes. He says, to touch a person with a fever, remember he touched her, was prohibited by Jewish law, but in Jesus, the kingdom of God was actively invading the realm of Satan's control. In one sense, it was good for a normal person. I guess we're learning now that a lot of the things that the Jews did were actually very good because God gave it to them. And as medical science began to learn about all the things that they would do in cleaning and washing their hands and stuff, depending on you know diseases and the people that they were attending to, when they incorporated some of that into the hospitals, people actually started living more. So there's a thing there, okay? But remember that's in a very natural realm. We are now talking about the supernatural. We are now talking about you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, you won't get sick. Did you get that? See, we're still, you know, we're still walking around. We don't know whether to lay hands on that because it might be contagious. Hello, I'm just talking to you, okay? All right. (laughs) But remember again, it said the believer will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, when I'm laying hands on people, I have to believe that I will not catch whatever they've got. See, you know, you guys can come and go, but you know, I get to touch every one of you. Hello. While you guys are going, you know, some some people will sort of go, oh, I'm staying away from that one, that looks contagious. You know, they come up to me for prayer. And you came up to me for prayer. And I better touch them before I touch you. (laughs) You never figured that one out, did you? Anyway. (laughs) Alright. What are we learning here? You got to live by faith, man. The just shall live by faith. This is not just something you exercise when you feel like it. You need to be doing it all the time because you don't know what wants to jump on your body when you're not looking. Amen? 
Alright, the second thing to note, let's move on. The second thing to note in what took place is that we are also told in Luke's Gospel that Jesus rebuked the fever, meaning that he spoke to it. Just as he did with the, with the fig trees, storms, mountains and demons. And it says that immediately the fever left her. Now, we need to stop there for a second, okay? We need to understand something. That the way that God has told us... See, God spoke things into being. Alright? Everything was created by His Word. Everything is upheld by the Word of His power. It didn't say by the power of His Word. It said by the Word of His power, meaning all His power is in His Word. Did you get that? That's that's why it's different to say it correctly. Alright? So you need to understand... See, that's very important because... He says, this is how things were created. It was spoken into being, and for you to change... Now, I, am in, I have been looking at this. Uh, let me talk to you about this for a minute as well, because I want to s- incorporate some other things into this as we move forward, as we learn and grow. Okay? I am talking to you on Sunday at the moment about all the, the, the scientific side as well as the, the, the faith side. All right? And the reason I want to bring that in now, <laughs> okay, uh, besides God saying you're ready, is that you need to see the crossover. See, the problem that we have is this. We have spooky faith over here, alright, where we just believe whatever we want. And then there is medical doctors and, and the medical world over here that says we've done a CD scan or we've done an MRI or we've done a whatever. This is what's wrong with you. We don't care what you believe over here. This is what's wrong with you. This is the pills you have to take or it's incurable and forget about it. Yeah. Now, you need to get this, okay? You need to understand something here. Jesus, when He spoke, whatever was wrong on a medical level, was fixed. Now, you need to get this. That means if there was deficiency in the blood, if there was too much of this, or there was a virus attacking it, that virus died. When He just spoke. He didn't speak and rub something on Him. (laughs) You, You need to get this now. He spoke words... And it did damage to something physical that was attacking a body, and it healed something within the body that was physical and brought it back to normal. His words had a physical effect on the physical realm. Do you all get this? You need to get this, okay? See, this is the problem, because if we don't get this, and we're going to miss this, we read this and we go, oh, isn't it wonderful, Jesus spoke, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then we move on, and we, we have a problem, and we don't know to speak to things. Because we think, oh, it's just words. I want to take you past that point of just words, into the place of that's how you change things. Alright? But remember, it's not just words. What did Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty three? If you believe, and you don't doubt. Now, a lot of people criticize that. They say, well, just because you believe, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Wait, 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 wait. You don't get this. You don't understand that in the beginning, God created... In fact, we're going to go to that. In Genesis one twenty six. look over your page, the next, next, next scripture. All right. Can I read this? Alright, let me read this. So I said here the second thing to note in what took place is that we are told that in Luke's Gospel, Jesus rebuked the fever, meaning that He spoke to it, just as He did with the fig trees and so on. Alright? And immediately the fever left. Jesus had complete control of them all. 
All of those things. Demons, mountains, storms, everything. Okay? And reinforced what was meant in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28, when God said, Let us make man... Alright, male and female, in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over. I want you to look at those two words. Dominion over. Alright? God didn't make us and then know that we were going to have problems and say, let them be dominated by all of these things. Think about this. You know when Pete couldn't fish? He was being dominated by the fish. They wouldn't listen. <laughs> they want to live that now. Okay? He's hungry and they're learning the other way. Okay? But understand something. It says, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Alright, now you need to get this. You need to understand that built into this, now let me read it, fish and birds and cattle and all that, over all the earth, okay? And in verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, fill the earth and subdue it. And again he said, have dominion over Notice, subdue, have dominion over. Well, how do we? How are we meant to do that? Well, this is what we are learning now. Is is by your words. All right, your words are the things that allow you to take dominion over and subdue things. Jesus proved that to us when when a storm came up. He stood up and he said, "Peace, be still." When a tree was giving him sass, <laughs> okay, remember, he wouldn't, you know, no, no fig. Okay, he spoke to it, said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. That was the end of that. Now these are two totally different things. Somebody is dead. He's, you know, Lazarus is dead in a tomb somewhere. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. This is a dead guy. Are you all with me? He speaks to things. He call, you know, now think about this. You can stand in a tomb and call everybody's name out. Nobody's going to come out. <laughs> because you don't believe no. <laughs> no no listen man you need to understand something you have to get past the place where they are just words he spoke to something and immediately left that's him subduing that's him taking dominion now he wants he's going to tell us to do the same thing in fact he's going to tell his disciples go do the same thing we're going to see that further on in, in the gospels okay we're not there yet but I need you to see what is going on, and I want you to start changing your thinking about your words. Okay? I want you to start on purpose saying some things that you do want to come to pass. And on purpose stopping some things that you need to stop. Like you want them to stop, you need to on purpose say, I am exercising my faith now in the name of Jesus. I'm saying, by faith, you stop, or you know, this thing happened. Alright? If you do that, then you will, you will program yourself, whenever you say those things, that you are using your faith, that you are using the name of Jesus, that you're about to speak something now, this isn't just you joking around and you just speaking normal words to people. That's right. You all with me? Even your normal words do stuff. Anyway, alright? But at least this way, you'll start to focus in on, this is a time I'm going to speak and something will happen. And I am applying my faith to it. And in doing that, I want to see a result. Are you all here? Okay? Alright. So, that way, you are starting to train your spirit and train yourself to start to believe and receive certain things when you say it a certain way. Let's begin there. 
Because one of the things that people did in the past that was wrong was they said, oh, watch every word you say. And Yeah, you can't keep a track of your mouth 24 hours a day, every second. <laughs> I tried. Didn't want to give you a headache. <laughs> okay? Listen, man, you know, when you're ordering food, you know what I'm trying to say? You have to say it by faith. They better deliver it or else you're not paying them. No. <laughs> okay? You know, there are some things you don't need to use your faith, so to speak. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Uh, of course, once you get the food, pray over the thing. Yeah. That you need to exercise your faith because you don't know, know what all crawled over that before they put it in your... Anyway. So, but <laughs> hey man, you don't know. You know, People that worked in that industry, they go, I don't eat there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there is a time that you exercise your faith and there is a time where you can speak and not worry about the, everything you're saying. All right, it's going to come to pass. Because this is, you, people get weird that way then. And then they're watching everything they say. And then you, you, know, you can't talk to that person. You, know, you all need this. I'm, I'm trying to grow you up now. Okay, come to Bible College for a reason. Doesn't matter if we don't get to the whole book of Jesus. Book of Jesus. The whole life of Jesus. Okay, I'd love to. Alright? But that you learn, that you grow, and that you are changing is what matters. And that this stuff is working in your life is what matters. And that this can have an effect on the people that you love around you matters. Amen? Amen. Alright. Alright. Everything that Jesus did was what was available to all mankind in the very beginning. And only lost to them because of disobedience and sin. Alright? Which the cross of Christ has now restored back to us in full. And why Jesus always expects so much more of us and from us. Amen? Amen. Now, third, notice that as soon as the fever left, she, <laughs> she didn't say, well, thank God I'm rid of the fever, but you know, I am, however, still not up to much. I need to rest a while. It, it says instead, immediately she rose and served them. I love what Hendrickson says. He says, not only was the woman's temperature normal, but as a surge of new strength was coursing through her entire being, that she herself insisted on getting up. In fact, she actually got up and started to perform all the duties of a busy hostess. Wow, that just shows you, huh? She's just back. I mean, ta-da, we're back. Amen? See, now this is interesting, isn't it? This is the effect that faith can have. As opposed to medication, which says, now take it easy, and slowly get out of this. And if you're taking medication, please take it easy. <laughs> okay? Don't go crazy. Listen, man, I'm not against medication. If, you've, you know, if you're taking medication, then please do all the things the doctor tells you to do. Okay? Now, you can believe that the medication works better than it should. That you recover quicker than you should. Alright? But remember, it's still a process. And you need to watch that process. Are you all here? Okay? Alright. But, listen to me, when you are praying for the sick, that ever happens, you lay hands on the sick, you need to expect this kind of result. Now, they might get better slowly, praise God, but your faith needs to be on this level. You can't go anywhere down and say, well, let's just believe for something less. Don't do that. They might be believing for something less, but you pour in as much as you can on your level. Be careful what you say to them. See, all right. Alright, All right. there are some people that, you know, when I'm praying, I can see that, you know, they're not ready for a instant healing. Alright, so, but you know, my faith is for them to have an instant healing. But I will pray that wherever their faith is, that God will just flood it, you know, use the floodgates and just come in there, do whatever He can. Okay, see what I'm saying on the inside is God heal them straight away. Alright, so if the door is even just a little bit open on that for them, then it's there. 
Are you all here? Okay, but you know, if they're thinking, but what I don't want to do is pray, and listen carefully, I don't want to pray, and they're going, oh, this is just too much, I can't believe for this, and then they switch off. Then I've lost them. See? Okay, because sometimes we can be too enthusiastic about our faith, and all the people, you know, and they're going, this is just too much for me. I'm good for you, but I ain't there yet. You all here? So you need to be careful. So you, the force of faith in you doesn't change. How you communicate that to the person needs to be measured. Did you get the, you all get that? It's like a math equation. I hope you got it. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. <clears throat> That's what was so astonishing. And why it goes in the same verses 32 and 33. Now we're moving on. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought, the, you know, this, this went out. They said, did you hear about Pete's mom? In fact, you know what's happened. Remember, this has just happened. Well, remember the account just before this? What happened before this? The demon-possessed man. All right? Jesus rebuked it, said, be quiet, come out of him. And then it says the unclean spirit, you know, when the unclean spirit, uh, in verse 26, had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him, I'm in page 39. And it says in verse 27, the bottom of page 39, they were all amazed. So that they question amongst themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? Remember that? For with authority, he commands unclean spirits, and they obey him. I'm over in page 40. And verse 28 says, and immediately, the report about him, his fame spread into every place. See, that's, this is the key verse, alright? Throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Then we have this little interlude. He goes to Pete's house, mother-in-law is sick, gets her healed. And then we come to verse 32, and at evening. So obviously, everybody heard. What happened with that demoniac, and now this has happened, and it says when the sun had set, uh, it was, you need to know why it says the sun had set, I'll tell you why. All right? It says when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick, and all those who were demon possessed. And the whole city, all, right, all the people who were sick and demon possessed, as well as everyone that accompanied them, was gathered together at the door. That's Pete's door. Can you imagine he opens the you know, door and opens the door, and like, my Lord, what happened here? What is this? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay. I've said here in... Uh, remember again that all this began. See, this all started in verse 21. Then they, okay, went down into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath day he entered the synagogue and taught. Remember all that happened? Okay. All right. Now, that's the reason. So remember this is during the day, all right? Remember it's a Sabbath? What's the problem with the Sabbath? It can't work. Okay, now you understand the evening. That's the reason now Mark says that at evening, when the sun had set, to show that the people waited until the end of the Sabbath before bringing to him all the sick and demon-possessed, so that, all, so that the religious leaders would have nothing to complain about. Isn't that sad? Because as John MacArthur explains, rabbinic law prohibited carrying any burdens such as stretchers on the Sabbath. And the Spirit-filled Bible informs us that the Jews reckoned a day to be the period from one sunset to the next. Alright? Do you all know why? Yeah. Oh, really? You want to know? <laughs> <These are laughs> There's a science lesson in this. This goes back to Genesis. And evening and the morning were the first day. And it's the wrong word. So the Jews got it wrong. The, <laughs> the word evening... And the word morning in Genesis, even though later on it means evening and morning, weren't what that word meant. Have you ever wondered why it says the evening and the morning were the first? I mean, who wants to work at night? 
that's a silly day. Have you ever thought about that? You know what? Yo, you all want this? You all ready for this? Do you know what the word is? What happens in the evening? Things are not very clear. Things start getting fuzzy. What happens in the morning? Things are really clear. Do you know the whole of Genesis, evening and morning, is not evening and morning. It's, sorry, this is science. It's an entropy term. Alright, things were actually going from being disordered to ordered. And from disordered to ordered was the first day. Get it? And from disordered to ordered was the second day. And you see that and you miss a day because there was no disorder in that final day. Because everything was done. So you don't see that term. Interesting, isn't it? So the Jews said, oh, look, evening to morning is a day. So they picked that as their day. Jesus himself said, who works at night? <laughs> you know? He said, we, we, we work, we work in the day. Amen. I, 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 I bet, you know, he would have loved to have given them a lesson in, by the way, this is what it actually meant. But they were fighting him over every little thing. Isn't it sad, the conversations he could have had with some of those rabbis and, you know, just told him, by the way, you guys have messed up the days. <laughs> you know? They go, yeah, but, he goes, no, listen, this is what it actually meant. But today we know now, today we know that everything was going from a state of disorder to order, disorder to order. And so you just see this climb until everything was ordered. And God said it was good. It was all finished by the seventh day. That's why there's, yeah, anyway. Okay. We can we keep going? Alright, did you learn something there? Alright, that's the reason why it's evening to morning. Alright, that's why it doesn't make any sense. Alright, so <laughs> notice also the distinction made between all who are sick and those who are demon-possessed. Meaning that they recognize the difference between those who are sick but not demon-possessed and those who are demon-possessed that may or may not have been physically ill as well. So they could tell the difference. So in other words, it wasn't that everybody who was sick had a demon. Huh. You all here? Okay. <laughs> okay, thank God. Alright, so they knew there were some sicknesses, you were just sick. The other sickness is like, oh, there's a demon. <laughs> okay, we, we need extra help on this one. Okay, so there was a difference they could tell. And it goes and say, Mark uh, 1 and verse 34, Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Now Luke says he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Isn't that interesting that he didn't care about catching any disease? Mm. I'll promise you there was somebody contagious there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, anybody disagreeing with me? I mean, everybody brought every sick person. Yeah. Y'all know, some of those were like, <laughs> you touch him, we're not. We brought him in a sheet. <laughs> okay? Do your thing, Jesus. Alright, but isn't it interesting, Luke says he touched them. He touched them, isn't it awesome? Alright? And he said he laid his hands on every one of them, Luke 440, and cast on many demons, and Matthew adds, with a word. See, again, this is why the composite is so important, because we see the whole picture here. With the word, he says, and Luke goes on to say that they came out crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And doing it again. And he, rebuking them, did not allow the demons to speak, because they knew him, that he was the Christ. Interesting, isn't it? So he's like, shut up and come out. We don't need to hear any of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, already, you know, this, this stuff going on. Alright, so this shows us that no matter what the nature of their illness was, whether incurable or terminal, and no matter how many demons are present in an individual, whether just one or an entire legion, it says he healed and delivered every single one of them. Wow! Are we, are we moving towards that? Can we move towards that? 
Amen? And please don't say, well, it's just little old me. Little old you has God on the inside of you. The moment you became saved. See, that's why the epistle of John is so important. See, the epistle of John, remember John's one that couldn't kill. Okay, There's a dude that just, just decided not to die, alright? I love him because he decided not to get martyred. To me, that's a greater hero than the one. That, anyway, so, because they tried to kill him. Not like they didn't try to kill him, alright? He had an understanding. His epistles are very interesting. He's the one that says, you know, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He's the one that says, if we, you know, if we pray according to His will, He hears us every single time. He's the one that says all of those things. You know, he had an understanding about this. He didn't say 50-50 on off. He said all the time. Every time you can overcome, every time God will hear you. Interesting. And it's <laughs> what, what's really interesting is that he's the one that said, Greater is he that is in you, first John 4 4, than he that's in the world. He understood that the moment you got saved, everything that you needed to become a world overcomer, which is what a part of his epistle says, was put in you. That you recognize it is the only thing you need to do. And then exercise it. Alright? It's in there to do. Are you all here? So, can I give you... No matter how much I exercise my faith, I can't have a baby. (laughs) Because it's not in me to do. Do you you understand? So I can only exercise my faith... I know some of you might try it, but anyway. (laughs) We'll call it the Virgin Mary. Anyway, okay. (laughs) Well, you know. Um, (laughs) Think about it. The the thing is that if it's not in me to do, then regardless of how much faith I have, I can't do that. You all get what I'm saying? Okay, so so this is something that is in you to do. This is something that has been put in you, which is what the the Apostle John knew and said, and why he wrote his epistle, which is why I like to do his epistle at some point in time. Because he understood that, he said, listen, don't you get it when you were saved? That's why he said, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the sons, the daughters of God? Like, think about that. He's thinking, he's saying, do you get it? You're not a human being anymore. You are a child of God himself. You might have come from natural parents, but when you got saved, you, you, you became a part of another family, and that family has God as its father. Which is awesome. And now all your attributes are that, not this. Get it? Get it? So, when we learn that, we know that, we start moving in that, all this stuff happens. Amen. Okay. Arkent Hughes says, the bedridden were tossing their mattresses and crutches into the air. The comatose were lucid and talking. The onlookers were in a state of frenzied joy. The sounds carried far out over the waters of the Sea of Galilee. Isn't that beautiful? The supernatural, impossible, and extraordinary was happening. They had never seen stuff like this. Amen? And notice from the verse that regardless of what is wrong with these people, it is the same powerful word spoken in faith that overcame it all. Matthew 8.16, that's why it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were, who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. It is also important to note, I'm on the next page, in Mark 11, uh, excuse me, 134, that once again Jesus would not allow the demons to speak and reveal his identity. He did not want to give the religious leaders, nor anyone there, anything to accuse him of. And why both Mark and Luke mention it. 
It's interesting. They both put that in. What's interesting is that Luke, in Luke's account, Luke adds a little more detail to Mark's account and says, Luke 441, and, de- and demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, do they know that that Christ lives in you? When you speak, they need to know, okay, you're not the Christ, but He lives in you. It's as if He is speaking. Get it? That's, why, that's the reason why we want Jesus to become big in us, so to speak. You all get this? Okay. Because the bigger He becomes in us, when He speaks, when you speak, it's Him speaking. Amen? And they will have to do what they did for Him. Listen, shut up, and get out. Amen? (laughs) Okay. Notice something extraordinary here. According to this verse, it seems that not just one or two, but the majority of demons, if not all, came out saying the same thing. You are the Christ, the Son of God. Meaning that every time one was cast out, they knew exactly who it was that had the authority to forcibly remove them from their hosts. And you know that they are going to be down in hell waiting for Jesus when, I should say, He is crucified and at their mercy for three days and nights. Yeah? And also, and you remember this now. I put that in for a reason. Because a lot of people don't understand what Jesus actually did when He died on the cross and when He allowed Himself to be taken to hell. Because He had to pay a price. Somebody had to pay a price. People think he didn't suffer, that he just went down, he only suffered on the cross. He went to hell and he just beat them and that was the end of it. How could he? Man sinned on both realms. That's why it said dying, you will die. Do you get it? Spiritually dying, you're going to physically die. And so spiritually, it had to be paid, and physically. So he physically paid on the cross, and that was the end of it. He had to go down and pay a spiritual price in hell as well. But I tell you, when that was over... (laughs) But I'm just saying, all these demons? (laughs) They remembered. Yeah. They didn't know what was coming after that. (laughs) You know. Okay. I wonder how many of them begged when he started beating on him. Anyway... Let's move on. You know, he wouldn't have been nice. Because they wouldn't have been nice. Somebody had had some visions about Jesus in hell. It was horrific. Let me just say that. Horrific. Alright. Three days. Alright. Um, also, as beneficial as it was for Jesus' disciples... We will do a shorter session next, okay? As beneficial as it was for Jesus' disciples and all who were there to hear the testimony of demons that Jesus was a Christ, the Son of God, it says that He rebuking them, rebuking them did not allow them to speak. Meaning that as soon as they had got, gotten the uh, first part out of their mouths, He immediately rebuked them and effectively shut them up. Every single one of them. Amen? You need to know that as well. Okay. William Hendrickson writes, While Mark and Luke and their perspective paragraphs with this prohibition addressed to the demons, Matthew sees in the performed by the uh, Master a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Surely our diseases He has borne and our pains or sorrows He has carried. In other words, Matthew saw divine purpose in what Jesus did and said in Matthew 8.17 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In other words, he was saying, listen, this is what the Messiah was meant to do. This is a part of the sign of him being the Messiah. 
not just fancy words. He did this. He took this on so he was able to deliver people from their sickness and disease because he's going to die on a cross for all of them. Amen. Sickness was never a part of the original creation, then therefore it will have no place in the final state of affairs either. That's what Revelation 21 and verse 4 brings out when it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah. This is why Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our call to battle and what Jesus died for. Amen? Amen. Take a break. We'll come back and we'll go on in chapter 13.